I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a wonderful week. This is Shir is sponsored by Tzvi and Tover Momostin of Wesley Hills, New York. As well, thank you to our corporate sponsors, the Hassan Zaltz Law Firm, Meridian Senior Health, and Bluestone Brokerage. For future dedications, please reach out to 845 367 2959. So you know what it's like when you're in a big rush and you bump into a friend you haven't seen in a while. You really want to keep going, but at the same time, you know it would be nice to reconnect and just say hi. So this happened to me yesterday. I just finished learning first aider in BMG. I was running a bit late and I needed to pick up a carpool. But in the corner of my eye, I saw a really nice, good friend of mine that I haven't seen in a long, long time, a bunch of years and I figured I had, you know, I was struggling with this challenge, this predicament. Should I go? Should I not go? I'm going to be late. If I start schmoozing with him, then what's going to be? It's going to be hard to pull out. But I said, you know what? He's a really great guy. Let me go over. So I went over and he was excited to see me. I was excited to see him. And we were exchanging some words, catching up on the past few years. And it was really great. As my prediction went, a three-minute quick catch-up conversation became a 12-minute conversation and while I did come a few minutes late to the carpool, there was something invaluable and I would say life-changing. I hope it's life-changing that I experienced during that conversation that I want to share with you. And it's incredible because somehow these messages always coincide with the Parsha. So as it does in most of my conversations, Baruch Hashem, the word Lechdeich came up, of course. And I was telling this friend of mine, you know, I have this weekly publication and podcast that I send out. And he said, oh yeah, of course. I heard about it. I remember when you were with us in Kyle, you used to write every week. And I said, yeah, it became a little more official. You know, back then it was part of a night Kyle, but now it's kind of its own independent thing. And it would really be an honor if I couldn't send it to you. So he said, uh, I don't have internet. So I said, no, it's fine. I'll, I'll email it to you. You know, not, not a problem. You don't have internet, but you for sure have email. And he's like, no, you didn't understand. I don't have any internet. So I looked at him and I'm like, how do you pay your bills? How do you pay your credit card? How do you book flights? How do you do anything? He's like, everything can be done on the phone. And I just looked at him, a regular guy like me and you, no frock, no Hamburg, no long white beard, regular guy doing great things, living on a higher level, realizing that just because things have become accepted and the conveniences are super convenient, that doesn't mean that that's the way we have to live our lives. We could, and we can kasha, we can filter, and we can tag, but sometimes it's just a whole different level. It's transcending to a different sphere. It's just, I don't need it. I will operate, I will be okay, and I'll figure it all out, and Hashem will help me. And while this idea isn't necessarily for everyone, and I'm not saying it's for myself either, I'm sending this message out through email, using the internet, it's the idea that anything is possible. Each man on his level, on his madrega. But you can all tap into that level of Kedusha. We can all break out of the Hergal, out of our old habits, and really rise, elevate, and reach greater heights, greater levels than Avaidus Hashem. Well, this young man, friend of mine, he may not be Zeicha to receive the Lechtech publication, may not be able to hear the podcast. I think he was to something even greater, which is he provided us with the content, with the reminder, with the message for this week, 
that we can all live higher, we can all live better, we can all live greater. And even things that may sound extreme, no internet, no email, how do I pay my bills, I have to pick up a phone. Well, it's certainly inconvenient and it takes time and it's annoying, you have to wait on those lines, but it's a trade-off. It's a trade-off for the conveniences of this world, for the eternity of the next. And while this is just one example, but there's dozens, if not hundreds of examples, different areas in our Vedas Hashem, which we can pick, which we can improve, work on, and become better. And it doesn't have to be the full gamut, the full scope. We can start small and work slowly. But the main thing is to start. It's to find something. It's to find somewhere that we can improve. Now, you might be wondering, this sounds like a schmooze for Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Kippur, Yom Niram. What does it have to do with now? So first of all, the answer is now is Shavivim. Now is the time where we as Klai Yisrael, we collectively work on our Anyanim of Ruchnius, now the Kedusha of Etara. And that applies not only to Kedusha Sinayim, but to any part of Anyanim Kedusha, of coming closer to the Rabbani Shalim. So this whole time period, the next couple months, Shavivim Tat, through Shabbos Tetzaveh, is a tremendous opportunity to capitalize on this Indian of Bimechazik. But even more specific than the general Shaivim is the message that we find in this week's Parsha. Why this is so relevant and connected to what we find in the Makkas that begin in Parsha's Va'ira. The Makkas started with Makkas Dam. And as we know, Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron they picked up the mata, they picked up the staff, they hit it on the water, the water turned into blood, the whole entire Nile River, and all the fish died. And as the Medjish tells us, not only did all the water turn into blood, but if you had a yid and you had a mitzu drinking from the same cup from the Nile River, the water in the cup for the yid would be water, but for the mitzu it would be blood. And what happened was the ministers of Mitzrayim went ahead and they did the same exact thing, and power was very unmoved. And the Pasuk tells us, Pyr turned around and he went to his palace. Paying no regard even to this. Now asks the Sifse Tzadik, Rav Mendel of Ger. He says, I don't understand. Why did the Torah tell us this seemingly insignificant detail that Pyr went back into his house? He was standing outside and he came back in. Who cares? Who cares where he was? This detail of Pyra's coordinates seems to be completely irrelevant to the grand scheme of things. So the Sifzitavik answers incredibly. He says, of course the Torah doesn't tell us any detail. Not one word is for naught. Not one word is chas v'shalom irrelevant. Every word, every letter bears tremendous meaning and significance. And this is no exception. Says of Mendel, the reason why the Torah is telling us that he went back into his house, the pshat is... The pirate went outside of his house when he heard about the Gilui of the first Makkah of Makkah's Dam, when he heard that Hashem came out and he changed. It was Mishana Teva. He changed the whole creation of the world. Mother Nature. There's no such thing. But he changed that. And he made it that water turned into Dam. Something that has never been seen on the face of the earth. Pirate came out. Pirate wanted to see this revelation, this manifestation of the Divine Presence. And he went out and he saw it. And he saw the Mitzim were drinking blood and the Yidim were drinking water. And when he was outside, when Pyro was there, even Pyro, the ruthless, barbaric, savage king, even he wanted to see, even he wanted to chap a little Hisiris, because otherwise why would he go out? 
So the Torah tells us that he went out, he left the palace. And he wanted to see. And there was a tzad, there was a chance that maybe he would change, maybe he would come moved. The Torah tells us, this is the way of the Rishon, that the second they feel any connection, they feel any closeness, they feel the warmth of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they feel the warmth of the Shekhinah, immediately they have to run the other way. They have to drop everything and retreat. And Parah had to do the same thing. The second he felt warmed, the second he felt, wow, Hashem is here, Hashem is changing the world. He's talking to me. He doesn't like what I'm doing. He despises my brazenness. And he's turning water into blood. And even though my ministers were able to do the same thing, but the fact that Hashem initiated it, the fact that Hashem is showing that He's going to take care of the Yid and He's going to protect them and He's ultimately going to destroy me, Parah had to run the other way. He ran back into his palace. And what happened in that palace? The Torah is telling us a message. Where did he come from? He came from a place of Shmutz, of Samach Memz, of Tumo, of Avadizara, of Gileirayas, the worst of the worst, everything that's Lahepech of Torah, everything that's against the Rabbi Nishladim. And it was only because, Vayifen, Paray, Vayavel Beisai, only because of that, this wasn't a side detail, it was only because he ran back, that he ran back into his base of Avadizara, a place permeating with Tumah and idolatry, which enabled him to pay no regard to the glaring truth. This idea is furthermore expressed a little later on by the Makkah of Dever, when all of the livestock of Mitzrayim got wiped out. The Pasuk says, The Par went out, he inquired what was going on with the Makkah of Dever, and he found out that not one head of the livestock of Kaisal had died. What happened? Yapar remained stubborn and he would not let the people go. Once again, we encounter the same exact question, asks Rabbi Chasman the Oriol. The Chayyur Par's actions seem very logical. The Torah makes a specific mention that Par went out and he saw that it was only the Egyptian livestock that got killed. So this revelation should have led to a change of heart. Yet instead, it had an adverse effect and only fueled his stubbornness further. Rabbi explains that we see from the illogical, ironic actions of Paroi, the fact that he specifically saw the calamity that struck his own people, his own livestock, and that was Dafka, the impetus for him to be more resilient in his wayward ways, not willing to bend. Says Ablaib, the Pshad is, that there's two types of fights, there's two types of disagreements, of contention, one is, you have two people fighting, and one realizes he's wrong. But there's still logic, there's still something to be said for him, there's still substance, there's words. In such a situation, the person who's wrong, he can agree, he can say, okay, I hear, I'm asking, you're right. Reason being, because he's not completely refuted. He's not an Oisvarf. He's not through and through inherently wrong. So he can come to terms. He can say, okay, I agree to you. You're, you're right over here. He can tell the other party, you're correct. Because he's not out of the rink. This is in contrast to if the person has proven wrong so much that he's completely proven to be baseless. He has no grounds to stand on. He has completely refuted. In such a situation, says Ablaib, many times he'll find 
that it's specifically then, when he's completely thrown out of the rink, when that person has nothing to be said for themselves. It's dafka then, where they fight even more, where they don't give in, where they can't agree, they can't say, okay, you're right. Even though it's so glaringly true that he's wrong. What's the reason? Because a person can't come to terms that they're 100% through and through wrong. This is exactly what happened with Pare. When Pare saw that it was only his people, his livestock that got destroyed, and not even one Jewish animal was affected, this was a revelation that he was, Taka, completely refuted. And instead of surrendering, he doubled down on his stubbornness, refusing to be refuted, even though it was clear that the calamity only affected his people. Abchaim Kaufman, Sefer Mishcha Shemen, profoundly applies this message to our lives, to our Avedah, especially during the weeks of Shaivim, and even more so during the times of the horrendous war that we're going through. We must realize that the only way we're going to come out on the upper hand, that we're going to be Mimenatseach, is only in the Schos of improving ourselves, of working on our self-character, on our midas, on our mitzvahs, on the Torah, on ben Adam and whatever hergel, whatever habits we've developed over time, now is the time we have to question, we have to reflect, and say, can I do better? Can I do more? Going back to what we started with, my friend told me he doesn't have internet, he can't receive emails. That may sound intense, but it's not intense, it's just a person who was inspired, who realized that we're just passing through. And everything that we do over here has an unfathomable ripple effect when we're confronted with the choice of good and evil. When we choose good, that can be the determination between life and death for a brother thousands of miles away fighting the war. And as we encounter the parshas of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the parshas of the Makas, Shoivivim. We have to infuse ourselves with chizik. We can't just let these weeks pass by. We have to remember that it's real. As we read the parshas of the Makas in Yitzhak Mitzrayim, let's remind ourselves, Pari stumbled. Pari ran back into his house. He ran back into the base of Edizara, to the Tumo, to the Shvichas Damim, to the Samach Mems, to the Satan, the second he felt that warmth, the revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he retreated, and it ultimately led to his demise. And so too we find, the empire heard about the Dever, it was Dafka because he couldn't get refuted. He couldn't look at himself in the mirror and say, I am wrong. Because of that, he couldn't give in, he couldn't surrender. And instead of that, instead of seeing the good, instead of seeing the light, just saying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I see you. I know you're right. Hashem Elikim Emes. Instead, paved the path to his own death. This all came from Gaivo, from Taivo, from not being able to tap into the Emes. And we have to be exactly the opposite. Whether it's Mitzrayim or Hamas, Hezbollah, Taliban, it doesn't make a difference. There's only one thing we can possibly do, which is more, which is more mitzvahs, more Torah, more Kedusha Vitara, which is showing Hashem that we realize He's calling out to us. Showing Hashem we realize that Shekhinah Begalusa. And just like then, 
in the times of Mitzrayim, it was after the Makkas and all the Munah Bitachin and strengthening themselves in these Inyanim, so to us, may we be able to look at ourselves. And sometimes it's a little painful to look in that mirror and say, are you doing the right thing? Can I do better? Questioning ourselves, it's uncomfortable. But it's only going to make us better. It's going to help us grow and become closer and show Hashem that we care. Like the Yidin then, that by this virtue, the Chizik, the Amun Bitachan, the Rezeche, by holding on, ironclad, not letting go, and just holding on and going through with their banish Lailam. And as bleak and eerie as everything may have seemed, the death toll was rising by the day. Parim and Shayim, they were killing all the Yidin, all the kids. It was terrible. It was Shreklech. But they held on. Right now we're going through our own Mitzrayim, our own Gehenim. Yeratzim Lifni Avinu and in the same way, then, with their increase, and in their mitzvahs, and in their maizim toivim, we too, when we utilize and capitalize on this opportunity, Hashem should give us the Yitzhah time that we need right now. Hashem should protect us, Hashem should take care of us. Hashem should stop the calamity, the tragedy that's befalling upon us. May He redeem us, may He bring us salvation. It bring Nechama to all those in need and Shmira to all those soldiers that are protecting us. Thank you to all of you. Hashem, please be Goyalos. Please bring the Beis Amigdash. Please bring Meshech Zedkeinu Bimheir Vyameinu. Amen. I hope you enjoyed. I thank each and every one of you for listening. I wish you all a wonderful Shabbos.